Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Oh, good morning. It's a good day. Such a good day. Well, uh, Zaina and Meredith, y'all just led us so beautifully. We do miss Vanessa, but she has had a beautiful baby girl. <laughs> and Mama and baby are doing so well in their home. Her name is Margaret Olivia Ann, and they're going to call her Margot. And uh, we just uh, hold them so dear and love them so much. We love you, Josh and Vanessa, and all your four kiddos. So it's good news. It's good news that they have a sweet baby girl. Wow, it's a good day. Well, I am excited to share today. Um, Who was here about five weeks ago when Paul Manwaring spoke? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, Paul shared a prophetic word with us that I want to dive into as a church. He, um, he said it's a season of resetting the foundations. And then he gave us this really um, powerful word. I was sitting on the front row and I heard it and I thought, oh, we have to dive into this as a body. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, yeah, so he said it's a season to reset the foundations. And, you know... Um, In Hamilton, there's a song about the different rooms, the room where it started. Yeah. He said, there are different rooms that we've been together. And so anyone who doesn't know our history, we've been nomadic, if you will, (laughs) for the last 15 and a half years, hopping from place to place to place to place. There's quite a few of them. And, And Paul said, those rooms are a really significant part of our history. And he said, don't forget the other rooms while in this room. There were things in those rooms that have to do with this current room. And if you put all your emphasis on what happens in this room, you might miss the birth pains and the developmental seasons of the previous rooms. And so he wants to draw, the Lord wants to draw on those things from different seasons. He wants to draw them together for Bethel Atlanta. And he said, when you were in Reading, which is, we were hungry to plant a church. When we were in the Hales house, we were hungry to become renters. <laughs> when we became renters, we were hungry to move on to property. <laughs> when we were on the property, we were hungry for a roof over our head. We have had all these phases of being hungry for what is to come. And he said, the Lord's going to give us our next hunger. He said, don't forget the room where it happened. Don't forget the things led up, that led up to now. Zechariah 4.9 says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Okay, so then Paul continued to prophesy and he said, The season of building upwards is upon us, church. Foundation has been laid. 
all other, found, all other rooms or places we have been as a church helped to create our foundation. And these are the rooms where it happened. <laughs> Remember the original principles that you gathered around in all the different rooms because you're about to build upwards. The foundation has been laid. So if you don't know our story, <laughs> where we are sitting, we started to dig to build a foundation a couple years ago and we found piles of hidden trash under the ground. Thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, I don't remember how many, lots and lots of money to dig out, the un to unearth the piles of trash that had been dug and hidden under our ground. <laughs> we spent a lot of money <laughs> and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears building foundations for this house. <laughs> We were in that tent. There was a literal river running through the tent. We just kept piling pine straw on it and telling people just avoid the river in the middle of the tent. Who remembers the river? Anybody? Yeah, okay. We have paid a high price for this foundation. We paid a high price to be standing on very solid ground today. There's a lot of metaphors in this foundation that we have sewn into. And I just, like the moment Paul said that word, I thought, oh, we, have to, we have to dig into these old foundations because they're part of who we are today. And I don't wanna miss them because they're foundational to where we're going. We got here with the history and the seeds that were sown in all the previous seasons. Now, if you've been here for one minute or 15 and a half years, it doesn't matter because this is our home, this is our DNA, if this is, this is part of our Bethel Atlanta story. So you can adopt it as your story, because it is, if, if you call this place home. So whether you were in the house in Redding, California, dreaming of coming here, or you know this is week one, that's wonderful. This is part of who we are, and it's our past is part of our future. So, Remembering the foundations that have been laid reminds us of the testimony. Um, so testimony breathes courage into us. In uh, Psalm 78, I'm going to start in verse 2. I'm going to read a bit. I'll open up my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that have, we have heard and known that our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers to teach their children. <laughs> to the next generation might know and children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. This testimonies of God is what we put our hope in. It's where our courage rises from. Down to verse nine, the Ephraimites armed with the bow turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant. They refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. So they forgot and lost courage and didn't know how to go in the, in the sight of 
battle. And there's the room's pregnant with possibilities if we meditate and have hearts of gratitude. That gratitude keeps coming up today. If we hold these testimonies in in our hearts and the things that he has done before, it gives us the courage to fight what's ever in front of us today. And if we don't, we're like the Ephraimites and we retreat in the face of battle. Like, ah, I'm scared. I don't remember what he did before, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna peace out of here. This is too scary. Rather than saying, oh, we tell our children, our children tell their children, they tell their children, and these stories are part of who we are. What the Lord did for you is part of who I am. Like Tracy's testimony is part of my testimony. And I get to hold it as it's mine in the face of battle. <laughs> I get to hold someone else's breakthrough as mine when, when, when push comes to shove and, and it feels scary. And we as a church have to hold those testimonies, hold those stories and hold those prophetic words as if they're the collective ours in the face of battle, in the face of shortage, in the face of fear, in the face of whatever's standing in front of us. And so uh, Mari wrote this beautiful song, and I've been singing it all week to myself. It's the remembering who we've been all along. Under one king we will join in one song. And there's a, there's a beauty in remembering who we've been all along. And there's, there's a sadness of forgetting it. <laughs> and there's an invitation. Can we remember who we've been all along? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us on a little story and history of who we are. And it's not for the sake of history. It's for the sake of putting in our hearts and deepening in, in us and reminding us where we've come from and where we're going. And so 16 years ago, we, we were on two coasts, this church. <laughs> One was in mom and dad's garage, over their garage. They had a giant room that we've had youth group in for 25 years and, and just every meeting you can imagine. And 35 people started in that room, and they worshiped every night, every Friday night, I think, worshiped, prayed together, um, and they built a beautiful community there. So much so that a few months in, 74 of the 75 people picked up, drove to Panama City, and did a retreat together. <laughs> and the community was rich. Meredith and Scott, y'all were there. I won't remember everybody, but um, Vanessa, Vanessa was there when she was a Vogel. Um, and so meanwhile, you know, 3,000 miles away, in my living room, me and Brent had this little house in, in, in Redding, California, and we would have 30-ish people in our tiny house living room, week, Thursday night after Thursday night. Blake and April were there, Janie and Scott Horton were there, um, Matthew and Katie, Stevie and Kristen, the list goes on. Many people, like 30 people a week, were in that house dreaming into what would it look like to plant a church in Atlanta and plant a school in Atlanta. And one of the characteristics of that season was 
I would say we looked like 30 people who dreamed and had never been disappointed. <laughs> we dreamed like those who had never lost. And it was so powerful. <laughs> we dreamed of a school. We, we brainstormed. Blake, Blake was spurred by the Lord to come here to create not a duplicate, <laughs> but what is a father-son, father-daughter inheritance look like? What is, a, what is a plant? Can you create a culture in a father-son inheritance way 3,000 miles away from Reading? And there was dreamers in the room. There was so much hunger in the room. And there was sacrifice. Um, that house of 30, I'd say 20-plus people moved their entire life 3,000 miles away for here. And, and I just, I keep coming back to hunger, you guys. And um, I spoke about it Sunday night a few weeks back. And I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of blood in Matthew 9. And this woman was so hungry for healing and so desperate. And she, she knew what she needed. She's like, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. Can you imagine living and positioning our life with that level of hunger? She, she, I mean, reached out. She's unclean. She's not supposed to be there. And she gets her healing <laughs> with her hunger. She's a, a model of what hunger looks like. And Jesus like, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And I've just been asking myself, you know, I thought it was very interesting, Dad, talking about returning to our first love. I've been asking, how do you return to that hunger? Like, how do we return to the hunger that we had when we were dreaming like nothing's impossible? How do you return to that hunger that you had as dreamers who never lost? <laughs> how do you return to that hunger like you haven't lived in inheritance for 20 years. 20 years ago, we hadn't seen a healing. We've, we've now seen hundreds. How do you stir up a hunger as if you haven't been living like a wealthy kid? So, that was our start on two different coasts of the country. And we like to say that mom loves my mom, or God loves my mom the most. Because <laughs> we had 173 people in their house um, the first week of May of 2008, I think. And it was my first week back from Reading. And um, there were... Uh, people in every room you can imagine in this house. The kids were in the garage. You know, just like a steady flow of people. You kind of push people out of the room and you'd float down the hallway. And at some point, people were all in the bedroom and it was too full. It's not that big of a house to hold 173 people. And on a, Tuesday, or on a Monday or Tuesday, mom tells dad, okay, we can't do this in the house again. It's too much. <laughs> she has, a, it's a pretty impressive. Um, 
And uh, John Donaldson stumbles upon the Association of Black Cardiologists building, the ABC building, we like to call it, on a Tuesday afternoon, calls dad, he's a mile away. They meet in the parking lot of that building. And five days later, our entire church of 173 people shows up at the right spot in a new building, the ABC building. <laughs> we had no communication plan at all. <laughs> it just happened. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of texts. It was great. Um, so that was our ABC days. We became renters pretty much overnight, and God really provided. I, that, that season is marked for me um, by a lot of things, but... One of my favorite memories of that season is uh, we had, we've been serving missionaries in Nicaragua for 13 or so years, Harry and Haleen Rios, and they were in need of a church. They had no church building, and, and, it was, uh, and we had no church building. We had no key. <laughs> we were totally reliant on Mr. Finley to unlock the door, and we were just praying every week that he didn't sleep in. It's a little, little risky, you know. It only happened a few times in a lot of years. And he was wonderful. We loved him. And so we had no building. We had a building on a Sunday morning. And we called for an offering for Nicaragua. And we said, hey, we have friends. We see them every year. They need a church. And that Sunday, we raised $16,000 to send straight to Nicaragua. And they built a building. And we sowed so seeds of generosity in our lack. <laughs> our lack, we have no building, you need one. And our entire body said, here's the money, go build one. And I get to go to Nicaragua a lot. And, uh, and every year, Harry is so proud, showing me the building. And we added on this room for a school, or we added this room for a classroom to the building. And I just have this like pride well up in me, like this is our story. This is your story that in our lack, we sowed seeds of generosity to someone else. And uh, it's one of my favorite memories of the ABC days. And I just keep reminding myself that he was such a provider. Like we, we asked, mom said we're done in the house and we had a building. <laughs> in our lack, he provided. In our lack, we were generous. A prophetic word from that season was from Bob Hartley, and he said, Bethel Atlanta is a house of hope and love. And that has marked us, like we are a house of hope and love. It's who we are, church. <laughs> at the same time that we were in the ABC building, we had a school of ministry at Operation Mobilization right down the road, OM. And Operation Mobilization is a sending mission center they have thousands of missionaries all over the world, which I think is also significant because we believe in sending people out. <laughs> We're an apostolic sending center. Um, and what I loved about the OM school days is we had students who paid the highest price. They were, they were so full of sacrifice. They consistently came to school Monday and Tuesday night driving from everywhere. Like one, two hours was not, I mean, it was crazy, but they did it. Many, many students, Macon from Phoenix City, Alabama. I mean, we just had people coming in. And, uh, and the supernatural followed the, the consistent sacrifice. 
it followed. Uh, there's this crazy testimony that we've kind of heard little snippets of over the years, but I texted Chris Mullins. Where are you, Chris? Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I texted him yesterday just to get the details straight, okay? So he was in school of ministry a lot of years ago, and they, uh, he was financially really needing a paycheck <laughs> one Saturday, and he was supposed to finish a job soon, and when he finished the job, he'd receive the paycheck, uh, but he was due to do an outreach on a Saturday, and so he'd have to finish the job maybe Monday, Tuesday, and get paid a little later. So it was a crazy sacrifice. And he heard the Lord say, your sacrifice will bring healing. And so he, he showed up. He, he was consistent. He showed up with his time. He showed up to Little Five Points, and we did an outreach there, probably weekly. Um, and they're on the streets, and they hear an ambulance. And he looks at his team, and he says, Y'all want to be an ambulance chaser today? <laughs> and so they start walking. They follow the sound of the ambulance. They walk for 10 minutes, and they come upon this huge crowd, and there is a man laying there, purple, blue, paramedics and crowds all around him next to the ambulance. And um, basically the paramedics are like, okay, we give up. It's, it's, we're done. And... Uh, Chris and his team, like, link arms. <laughs> I didn't know this part of the story until yesterday. And he reaches out his foot, okay, to touch the guy on the head. <laughs> and all he says is the word live. Live. The guy sits up. <laughs> and he said, I was only napping. <laughs> And color returns to his face. Wow. <laughs> All on a Saturday that everything in you said, I'm going to need to go to work today. But your sacrifice is going to bring healing. This is our story. This is our story. That OM Bassam days, they're marked by sacrifice after sacrifice of people laying their life down. Like, oh, I need to provide. This is rational. This is realistic. And healings follow. You share that testimony a bunch, haven't you? And, he, and salvations have happened, right? You told me that. Salvations have come from him sharing that testimony in multiple different locations. God is so faithful. Your sacrifice will bring healing, he said. <laughs> in, those, in those days, um, Sandy or let's see. Okay, then we moved to Sandy Creek, okay? So we bought this land in December, we got evicted from ABC on dad's birthday in January. It was a sad day. <laughs> and so we decided we're going to go be church in a trailer. We move our trailer in a week after week into Sandy Creek High School down the road. You guys, whew, this was a hard season. <laughs> this might be my, my hardest. You'll hear it. Um, so Brent, every morning, would show up here at 430 to pick up the trailer that had our church in it. <laughs> and he'd drive the smelly truck, that we like to call it, to Sandy Creek, where Mike and Kim Edwards would be there at five in the morning with a huge team of people waiting in the parking lot for the smelly truck to pull up. Smelly truck pulls up, and we have church in a trailer. I'm, I'm not kidding. We had 
two couches, multiple chairs, you know that welcome center you see out there, we had two or three of those. We had an entire kids ministry. <laughs> we had an entire sound systems. And week after week, this team of faithful, faithful people, Mike and Kim led week after week, and they unpacked a church from a trailer. <laughs> and people would clock on their Fitbits, because we didn't have fancy watches back then, six plus miles before Sunday started. You're just walking and pushing a lot of equipment. It was a really, it was a wild season. <laughs> and um, I had this feeling, like a mom on Thanksgiving, that cooked the dinner and never left the kitchen. I've never cooked a Thanksgiving meal, just saying. <laughs> I just want to keep integrity in the room. Okay. I'll bring my side dish, but that's it. Uh, but I felt like the mom on Thanksgiving that's like, at the table, like clean, cleaning the kitchen, cleaning after, and not able to enjoy the football, you know? And I felt like that mom week after week. And there were a lot of people that felt like that on week after week of just setting up and tearing down. And, and you'd find it, I'd be in worship, and I'm like, I'm not even in the mood to worship because <laughs> we're so tired. <laughs> and, and I felt the Lord in that season just saying, you have to, you have to tend to your own fire, Lauren. You have to tend to your own fire. The surroundings can't do it for you. You have to tend to your personal fire and steward it regardless of everything going on. <laughs> and that season, it was hard and beautiful. <laughs> like, we serve, people serve just so beautifully. And that word of the Lord, tend that fire, Lauren. We had to tend that fire. We had this crazy few prophetic words. Sean Bolt said, you'll have a 25 years of harvest and then some. And then Bobby Connor gave us a word then, and he said, the plowman will overtake the reaper, as in Amos 9.13. And so we got some like just powerful words that we're still singing and prophesying into today of like the harvest is here, the harvest is coming. And, and uh, those, were, those were monumental. Okay, so then Sandy Creek does not renew our, our lease. And so we moved 100 yards down the road to Living Proof Church. <laughs> it was a tiny church. So it's the opposite of Sandy Creek, which was, you know, a stadium seating. We looked fancy. We looked so fancy back then. Um, we had lights and all the things. Then we moved to this tiny church that had the funniest light system that you had to like, like do see five things at once to maybe get the lights to turn on. And, uh, and it, was, it was a beautiful restorative worship season. Like, yeah, I, uh, so I had this grand vision of like having a slideshow with all these pictures. It didn't happen. If you have pictures that are 16 years old, please let me know. Send them my way, okay? But I was like, you know, walking through memory lane on my photos, and I would stumbled upon these worship sets at the Living Proof building. And I just like was welled, welled up with like excitement and tears and passion and like, God, you moved. Like that. there wasn't a feeling in the air that was anything is possible. Like, I can't miss Sunday 
it was actually Saturday night. I can't miss Saturday night because something's going to happen and God's going to move. Like I remember missing one time and the Lord just broke out and I was so bummed. I was like, ugh, stupid wedding I had to go to or whatever. <laughs> but it was that feeling like, what is he going to do? How is he going to show up? And this is when Vanessa started saying, it's the greatest wave of worship the world has ever seen. That was that prophetic declaration in that season. And he was moving. <laughs> and, and Blake uh, prophesied it was our engagement season before we moved on the land. And it was restoring this, this passion and this love and this intimacy and worship. And, uh, and it was just so beautiful. <laughs> and then... Then, we heard the Lord say, get on the land. <laughs> this is three and a half years, uh, four and a half years ago now. <laughs> we looked so crazy. <laughs> we had those two little buildings out there, and we had a church, and God said, get on the land. <sighs> and it defied all logic. <laughs> and this, this is the season we solidified that we are people who hear his voice and we run and obey. And it is so entrenched in who we are. Like that is who we are. We are those crazy radical lovers that hear his voice and shift on an instant. And that's our, that's our DNA. One of my favorite testimonies in this season was Mark Westbread, if y'all remember him. He came up to church. He didn't know we were a church in a tent. He comes up on November 11th. So we've been on the property for eight weeks. And he had suffered from migraines for years. Okay, what I love about Mark is every year on November 11th, he hops on the community page and he reshares this testimony. So this happened four years ago. And he said this, okay, on November 11th, 2018, I visited Bethel Atlanta for the first time. I was pulled to a church in a tent that I never heard of before, and it changed my life. I was in the midst of severe migraines, at least one a week. Each migraine would take several days for the process, pre-migraine, migraine, and recovery. I was prayed over at Bethel Atlanta after the service. The man Kirby and I have become friends since. The way he prayed over me changed my life in several ways. I primarily pray in affirmation now, and I have not had a migraine in four years. I literally hop on there around November 11th, and I look for these texts year after year. I'm like, God, you're so faithful. They have moved to West Virginia. But like his job was in, in term, like all of it, he couldn't function because if you're out, for days of a week, it changes your life. I mean, it changed his life. Uh, and so, Blake likened this season to Israel crossing the Jordan, <laughs> apprehending the promised land for the first time. But we felt like, we felt like crazy people. We, you know, one Sunday we drug in the teens, Jason Book and Dan, pulled at least 15 or so trucks out of the mud. 
that right? After, after church. Huh. And, um, and Dirk would text us every week, hey, Lauren, the, the, the parking lot looks okay. Or, hey, Lauren, it's been a little bit too much rain. I'm driving by two days before church to feel the ground and see how it feels if we're going to get stuck again. Like, the, just the, it was just a wild, wild times. One of my other favorite testimonies of the tent season was Arabelle. Um, and she had a dream one night. So Justin sprained his ankle really bad and was on crutches. And he wasn't going to come to church because the tent floor was not flat. So coming with a broken ankle or sprained ankle is not a good idea. And uh, Arabelle has this dream. And in the dream, she finds a woman and tells the woman she needs to come up on stage and pray for healing. And you are going to get healed. Am I right? Okay, so <laughs> Arabelle in her tenacity, is walking around the tent. Oh, Justin faithfully comes. He's like, if, I'm gonna, if my daughter's having a dream, I'm coming to church. So he stands at the back to protect his ankle. And Arabelle is, run, is walking around from woman to woman. <laughs> hey, I need to get on the stage. We need, it. We need healing to come. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And so she finds the right woman. I don't <laughs> I don't remember who it was. <laughs> and uh, and they, they walk her over, and I think, Dan, you bring her up on stage. And, uh, and she starts, she shares the dream, and we have a healing service breakout. And there were over 30 healings that day. <laughs> All because of the faithfulness of a young woman here in the Lord. A little girl, yeah, <laughs> back then, <laughs> yeah. And, wow, just the faithfulness of the Lord to both give a dream, the expect expectancy of Justin to show up and like, okay, I'm getting healed today. <laughs> and, and then he just showed up, God showed up in such a powerful way. And, uh, you know, those early days of the tent, it was the rainiest season Georgia had ever had. <laughs> On paper, like on record. And for that first year, it did not rain on a Sunday. <laughs> it was so wild. Um, and, and so today, this is funny, I didn't plan it this way, but today marks one year in the building. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. We're so thankful. And... Um, I've just been feeling the Lord for a few months now saying, return, go back to the basics. <laughs> and I think this return to your first love word, you know, return to your hunger. I believe he's restoring hunger in this season. Like those, those who've never been disappointed. <laughs> he's restoring hunger like those who haven't been living in inheritance. He's restoring the dreamers. <laughs> He's bringing back that, that sacrifice. You know, I, when, I, when I think of going back to the basics, I feel like there are dormant things that we have to bring back to life. And Paul's word when he said, there are, remember the rooms, Remember what happened in the rooms. Remember the principles from the rooms. 
I am just reminded, I didn't, I just was just brainstorming, like what happened in those seasons? What was significant? And at the end, I wrote down all these words that came up in all the, in all the seasons. There are, we are dreamers. <laughs> we are people of sacrifice. We are those who build community. That Faith Blanchard word, whether you're at 50, 500, or 5,000, what is it? You'll be like a family. That community, that hunger, we're people of hunger. We sow seeds of generosity even in our lack. We are supernatural. <laughs> our supernatural flowed. The healing flowed from sacrifice like Chris's story. We were serving. Um, and we were, we, he restored worship. <laughs> and we are those who hear his voice and run and obey. And returning to our first love. Those are just embedded, interwoven into our story. <laughs> like it's deep in the DNA of this house. It's actually in the foundation, in the place of that garbage that we paid tens of thousands of dollars to remove. <laughs> like we have put, we've sowed tears <laughs> and sacrifice and heart and love and passion and, and just a ton of life. <laughs> into this house and it's ours it's the collective ours and the lord is, has laid the foundation the plumb line is in place and it's time to build upwards onwards outwards <laughs> that was the word from paul but don't forget who we are <laughs> don't forget where we came from and so i think for our, in closing if y'all would just stand And I feel the Lord inviting us. If any part of these stories just don't resonate with you now or they used to resonate in a different way, I would encourage you to respond to the Lord. Like that woman with the issue of blood, she's like, I'm getting my healing. I'm restoring what was lost. And so it is a season to restore what was lost because we have paid a high price in this foundation for all of those things, for the community, for the sacrifice, for the worship, for the generosity. These, these big picture who we are are part of our DNA. And if they don't feel like they're alive and active in your life right now, be that woman that grabbed his garment and so you can come up and receive prayer if our prayer team wants to come up as well. Um, but I, I feel the Lord inviting us that if you're hungry, go after it. If you want more hunger, respond. <laughs> okay, so let's pray. You can come down. God, I just am grateful for our history. I'm grateful for the stories that are in this room, the stories that are not in this room. I'm just grateful for uh, what you have sowed into our foundation. God, I thank you for the promise over our house. 
I thank you for this word from Paul that we're going to, it's ready to build upward, onward, outward. But Jesus, I just confess of anything that doesn't line up with the fullness that you've promised us, Lord. Any area that's not lining up, that's, that's mirroring uh, the kid that has everything, <laughs> the kid that's living in their inheritance, Lord, help, us, help my hunger. Return us to our first love, Lord. Yeah, I just encourage you to pray out loud. Return us to our first love, Lord. Make us be like dreamers who've never lost. I just ask for you to restore the hunger for the supernatural. Just restore that nothing is impossible. What are you going to do today, God? (laughs) Just let your glory fall. Let your glory fall. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.